in just a few moments, Victory is going to come back out and she's going to sing, Oh Holy Night. And we will commence our candlelight moment in the service. So I'm curious, did everybody get your candle? Did you get your candle? Can I see it? You got your candle? Did you get your lighter? You better not got a lighter. <laughs> Let me give you the backstory. We had every plan to have real candles, and then we found out that the Winspear Opera House would not allow us to bring real candles into the uh, space. They said, we're not going to risk y'all burning down this illustrious opera house. And so I almost said, you know what, forget it, no candlelight service. And then because we, I have the best staff and we have the most incredible servant leaders, they said, hold on, Pastor, if you want a candlelight service, we're going to have a candlelight service. We will go get battery-operated candles and we will make it work. So shout out to our Social Dallas serve team. Come on, put all these candles together. And if you're still trying to figure it out, you just turn the bottom. No, they didn't give me a broken one. No, here we go. You turn the bottom and that's what turns it on. Can you turn it off real quick? We're going to cut it on later at the end. But when they gave me this candle and I was on stage holding the candle, I had a nostalgic Christmas flashback to Christmas 1996. Anybody remember 1996? You remember 1996? Of course you don't. You're too young to remember 1996. <laughs> Christmas 1996. Bill Clinton was president. Michael Jordan's Bulls had just won the championship. <laughs> Nintendo just released the N64. And at Trinity Christian School, the climactic conclusion of the Christmas play was a duet of Silent Night sung by Oshawa Coleman and your boy. Y'all, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was so nervous. I'm in the sixth grade. I was so nervous because it's one thing to sing on stage with a whole lot of people. It's a whole other thing to sing and hold a real candle at the same time. I was sweating bullets, and there I was. I had to start a cappella, so I had to wait for everybody to get quiet, kind of like now. And as soon as everybody got quiet... We started singing Silent Night. We split up the song. Me and Oshawa did. I had the first line I sang. I said, Silent Night. And then Oshawa went. Y'all did that good. Then it was back to me. All is I did it just like that too. I had to put a little sauce on it, let them know. I ain't playing games with y'all. And then she went. Then came the hard part, which made me nervous because we went into round young version and we had to sing that together whoo, in harmony. And y'all, solos are easy. Harmony? Ooh, harmony is hard. I kept messing it up in practice because every time we would start singing it, I would get off key and then Oshawa finally was like, just calm down. I'll harmonize with you. You just sing your part. I was like, that's the problem. When you come in, I want to sing your part. She's like, well then put your finger in your ear. I said, how am I holding a microphone and a candle and put my finger in the ear at the same time? It's too hard. <laughs> harmony is hard. Have you noticed? Singing a solo is easy. Have you noticed something about our world today? I found out that 11 months out of the year, people want to live their life solo. Let me do me. 
live how I want to live. And then all of a sudden around the Christmas season, everybody wants harmony now. Everybody wants peace. Isn't it interesting that 11 months out of the year, we want to live our lives solo and then come around Christmas, we want harmony. And then we wonder why we have no love. We wonder why we have no peace. We wonder why we have no real joy. Because the reality is you cannot have those things apart from the Savior that came to bring them. You cannot have peace without the Prince of Peace. You cannot have joy without the one who came to bring joy Because Jesus, the Savior who was born, hear me, he is the perfect harmony. The perfect harmony. He is the harmony of deity and humanity. He is the harmony that he was man enough to owe the debt of sin, but God enough to pay the debt of sin. He is the harmony of righteousness and justice. He is the perfect harmony of truth and grace. That harmony is something that our world needs And we need it, and that's why when he was born, it was a silent night. It was a holy night. That's still one of my favorite songs today, even more than it was when I sang it. And I think it's because I now know the story behind the song. Believe it or not, Silent Night was written on Christmas Eve, 1818, precisely 205 years ago today. It was written by a pastor by the name of Joseph Moore. And he was getting ready to lead his midnight mass Christmas Eve service. And just hours before the service, he needed a carol to be performed. So he runs approximately two miles to his friend Franz's house, who happened to be a school teacher. A school teacher, not Mozart, just a little school teacher. But he also played the organ for the church. And he goes to Franz, and in his pocket, he held a poem that he wrote two years earlier and was hoping just hours before the service if he could put melody to the poem that he wrote. And sure enough, in just a few hours, they began to write the song, Silent Night, and performed it that night, not knowing that 205 years later, that song would still be sung around the world today. Ooh, that's a good time to parenthetically park and pause right here and tell somebody, you don't have a clue what God would do in you and through you. How many of you know eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God would do through you? Those words. Silent night. You sound so good. But have you ever paused to consider why those two words are even together? Holy and night? Come on, y'all. One of these things is not like the other. If there were ever two words that should not go together to me, it is holy and night. Holy means pure. Holy means set apart. And then night. When has night ever been pure? Come on. The psalmist said the freaks come out. At night, why in the world would you put a holy next to night? This has always confused me about this song, Holy and Night. How many you know most crimes are perpetuated at night? The reason you give your child a curfew is because you know some of the most evil, sadistic things happen at night. I have three little humans, nine, six, and seven. They have never taken a daytime nap and said, Daddy, come upstairs. I'm scared. No, 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 no. It's always in the middle of the that I get a call to run upstairs because they are scared. But how is it that you can have a holy 
night, these things don't go together. As a matter of fact, night is inextricably connected to the Christmas story. Remember, the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock at They weren't out there to see the heavenly host. They were keeping watch at night because it was at night that a wolf or some predator would be lurking in the darkness trying to destroy their sheep. What is good about night? If you know anything, you know that night is not just a normal reality. It is also a spiritual metaphor. Biblically, it is a metaphor for wickedness. It is a metaphor for spiritual ignorance. And the reality of humanity is that although we say we want the light, most of us are comfortable to live in the night, to live in the darkness. Have you ever had something distorted and scared the mess out of you in the dark? Oh, keep it 100. You ever seen something in the dark that just made you scared? I'll never forget my son who was here in service. He had his little Buzz Lightyear face. So for his birthday, I think he was turning four or five, we got him this six-foot Buzz Lightyear blow-up, and we had it on the back porch, and it was standing just like this. You know where this is going. We left it on the back porch. We had the great little party. We brought the cake in, brought everything in. We just left Buzz outside by the window, six feet tall, just standing like this. I go to bed that night. I will never forget it. Middle of the night, my little Remy screaming, Daddy, I'm scared, I'm scared. I'm like, pray, the Lord is with you. I want you, I want you. I'm like, oh. So I get out the bed and I'm running to go upstairs, but all of a sudden I look out my peripheral. The screens in my house were down. I still got sleep in my eyes. I just see a shadowy figure in the backyard talking about, You ever had your soul come out of your body through your esophagus? I said, ah! Rim said, Daddy, I'm scared. I said, me too. (laughs) Took me a minute to realize. (laughs) Does Buzz Lightyear outside because the darkness can distort so many things. And yet many of us live our lives wandering in the dark. And the message is Christmas is that your light has finally come. This is what I love about the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Christ's arrival, Isaiah feels the need to explain Christmas before we experience Christmas. When you get to the book of Isaiah, chapter number eight, the people of God are living in darkness. They're coming to idols to worship. There's despair and depravity. They've turned their back on God because hear me, anytime you turn your back on God, there will be darkness. But in the middle of the darkness, Isaiah prophesies and gives hope. Look at it in Isaiah chapter 9. He writes these words. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And right when he leaves you in suspense and you're wondering, who is this light? All the way in verse 6, he gives you the blues clue, and he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. How many of you know the birth of Jesus is the birth that changed everything because he became our light? in the midst of darkness. 
Interesting, even when Jesus was born, the world was spiritually dark. Judaism had lost its strength and all of a sudden they were going through a form of godliness in religious routine, being led by Sadducees and Pharisees who were so cruel and had lost the spirit of the law, trying to stand behind the letter of the law. There was political darkness because King Herod was on the throne and anything that threatened his throne, he came against. This dude was so psycho, he killed his two sons because they were a threat to his kingdom. Anybody that came close to his kingdom because he was so insecure and had to be on the throne, he would kill whoever got close. So imagine that day with this insecure king and these wise men come in saying, uh, excuse me, king, uh, we're looking for the king. Can you imagine how he felt when they came to him that day saying, we're looking for the real king because we saw his star. And he's like, oh, really? Well, when you find him, let me find out where he is so I can worship him. But his desire was to destroy him. If I had time at Christmas Eve, I would just preach a message on that right there. It would jack up your Christmas Eve, though. Because I would tell you how there's a Herod in all of our hearts. Because this baby who was born is the king, and he refuses to be anything less than a king in your life. He refuses to share the throne of your heart with you. So oftentimes, there is a Herod on the inside of us that doesn't want to give this king his rightful place, and we seek to destroy him because we want to do what we want to do. But I came to tell you this Christmas, if he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all, he must be the king of your heart. And he will share his glory with absolutely no one. And in the midst of that darkness, still the light of Christ came forth. Thank God for that light, that he invades spiritual darkness with light. I love John chapter 1, verse 14. The message translation says it like this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. How did Jesus respond to the darkness? By showing up and being the light. He says it again in John chapter 8, disclosing who he is. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I haven't had you look at your neighbor, so I may as well do it now. Look at the person next to you, whichever one you like the best, and say, neighbor. Come on, tell them, neighbor. This Christmas, you need the light. Now look at your other neighbor, the one you completely ignored, and say, other neighbor. You're my second option. But here's your Christmas message. You need the light. How many are thankful that his name is Jesus and he is still the light of the world? I want to give you three things to watch out for this holiday season. Hear me, that will try to snuff out your light. First thing I want to give you is watch out for grudges. I found that one of the things that will snuff out the light of Christ in your life is you holding on to a grudge. It's hard to hold on to Jesus and hold on to a grudge at the same time. I'm telling you, we live in a world, hear me, where people are going to hurt you. 
People are going to offend you. And newsflash, you hurt people. (laughs) And you offend people. And it is the trick of the enemy to get you to dim the light and snuff out the light because you are holding on to a grudge and holding on to an offense. And I'm telling somebody today, the greatest gift you could give yourself this holiday season is to pull a frozen and let it go. Stop nursing it. Stop rehearsing it. The enemy wants you to hold on to a grudge. Oh, can I just tell on myself today, this has been one of the most craziest years for me. I have seen some of the greatest betrayals of this year, but I'm getting up to 40 and I got a few gray hairs coming through this beard now. And I know the trick of the enemy. I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to get me to allow the betrayal to hold on to a grudge so it'll snuff out the light. But I choose to not hold on to the grudge. I'm going to be quick to forgive and to let it go because God has so much more in store for me in my future that I refuse to be chained to my past. Let it go. Some of y'all turning green, got yourself in a cave and it's just you and your dog Max and you got your heart shrinking every year because you hold it on to a grudge. Let it go. Forgiveness is not for them. It is for you. Don't let the grudge snuff out the light. Here's another one. Grief. Grief. Hear me. We have the tendency to glamorize grief at Christmas. And I'm in no way belittling who rejected you. I'm no way, shape, or form belittling the loved one that is not here this holiday season. In fact, I want you to feel every emotion. We have a Savior that wept for Lazarus before he raised him from the dead. You can feel what you feel. But don't let the grief make your light go dark. Because when you make the light go dark, that means you have narrowed your focus to the grief and you think that nobody is with you. But the message of Christmas says, he is Emmanuel. He is God with you, no matter what or who you have lost. Don't let the grief take out the light. And then lastly, guilt. Guilt will snuff out the light. Guilt over what you've done. Guilt over the mistakes of your past. But the message of Christmas says to us that Jesus Christ died in your place. So you don't have to live with that guilt and live with that shame. He gave us the perfect gift in his son, Jesus. I know some of y'all are proud Sunday school alumnus and you already know this verse, you floated in here today, you had communion for breakfast. Can I show you the beauty of the gift in that verse that so many of you got memorized in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You've heard it so many times that sometimes that just runs over our hearts. But you've got to hear that again. As a matter of fact, can I just break the power of that gift down right there? For 
God, that is the greatest lover. So loved, that is the greatest measure. The world, that is the greatest number that he gave. That is the greatest gift. His only begotten son, that is the greatest person. That whoever believes, that is the most simple act. In him should not perish. That is the greatest deliverance. But that is the greatest difference. Have, that is the greatest assurance. Everlasting life, that is the greatest possession. If you don't get a raise this Christmas, if your kids don't get you those shoes that you wanted, if you don't get a brand new car or a brand new house or an Amazon gift card or a new bathrobe, can you at least thank God that you have the greatest gift, which is eternal life, that you don't have to spend your life wandering in the dark because the light of the world, the wonderful counselor, Emmanuel, the mighty God, the everlasting Father has shown up and he is available to all those who simply will believe and receive him thank God that the light has come and in him was life and the light was the light of man and the light shined in the darkness he is the light of the world and if you would open up your heart today you could receive a gift that they don't have at Neiman Marcus you can receive a gift that they don't sell on Amazon and that is everlasting life he is the light of the world. I'm going to ask every head be bowed and eyes be closed. And I'm going to do something that we do in every service, but it feels even more holy today as we're pausing to celebrate the real reason of this season. I've done all kinds of responses to the gospel. I've had people come to the front to the altar. I've had people stand up. I've had people lift up their hands. But today I wanted to do something a little bit different and I'm going to ask that every candle be turned off in this moment. I'm going to ask that they dim the lights. Because I want to give somebody an opportunity today to respond to this wonderful Savior who is light. Somebody who would be so honest to say if I were to gauge my spiritual condition, I am in the dark. And you don't have to stay in the dark. Not when the light of the world has come. And so as they dim the lights now, and every candle is turned off, here's what I'm gonna ask. If you're in here today and you'd be so honest to say, Pastor Robert, I have not responded to this Savior. And today's the day I need to give him my life. Here's what I'm going to ask. Again, if we can dim the lights. I'm going to ask you to respond today by cutting on your candle. So that when I see a candle that is on, that is somebody saying today's the day that my heart is preparing room for this king. So if that's you, you're saying, Pastor Robert, I know that if I were to die tonight, I would not spend eternity with this Savior. And today's the day I need to simply believe that you just cut on your light. I see lights all over this place today. 
But can I tell you, even if it was just one, you would be worth it. He would have died just for you. This gift is for everyone, but it is so personal. If that's you, just turn on your light. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, God. I see those lights. Would you pray this prayer with me? I'm going to give you the words, but I want you to say it from your heart. In fact, we're all going to say it as one big family today. Would you say this? Say, Jesus, I need you. Lord, I know that I've been walking in darkness, but today I acknowledge that you, Jesus, are the light of the world. And I need you. I cannot do life without you. Jesus, I believe that you were born for me, that you lived the life that I was supposed to live. You died the death that I was supposed to die. You took my place. And so my response is to give you all of me. Forgive me of my sin. Make me brand new. From this moment forward, I'm walking with you in the light. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Can we celebrate with those, come on, who have given their life to Jesus today? Now here's what I'm gonna ask. Can we all stand to our feet? And can we all join those who responded by turning on our lights and let's worship together as victory sings, Oh, holy night.
Truly he taught us to love one another His law is love and his gospel is peace Change shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we let all within us praise his holy Victory Board. And lastly, from our family to your family, we want to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We love you, Social Dallas. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, give you grace and peace now and forevermore. We love you. Merry Christmas. <laughs>